Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. In 1998, there was a movie that hit theaters, right? And because where else would a movie go, really? That was unnecessary to say. It went straight to DVD, or as Ben used to say when he was like, like five, DVD. It's so cute that I still say it to him. You know, Ben, uh, can we get that DVD? He's like, Dad, come on, move on, Dad. So, in 1998, there was a movie, it, it was in theaters, and it was about a man, it was based on this premise, there was a man living a really simple, ordinary existence, and then he's always wondering if there's something more out there, something a little bit deeper beyond just the, the world he knows, and then something unexpected happens to him, and he begins to think, hey, wait a second, maybe this whole thing isn't real. Maybe this whole thing's been a lie. Maybe this whole thing is an illusion. And he starts to long for something more, and he starts to seek it out, and he starts to awaken to the idea that everything that he thought was real has just been an illusion. Can you know what movie I'm thinking of? The Truman Show. Yeah. Not The Matrix. That was 96, I think. The Truman Show, right? If you've ever seen The Truman if you haven't seen The Truman Show, check that out. It's on DVD, and you can watch it. If you have seen The Truman Show, uh, then, then, then you know, right? Truman Burbank is a guy whose whole life, he's been raised inside a television show. Everything, his whole world, which is one city. By, it's a city by the sea, which is a fake sea, under a dome, which gives him a fake sky. Everybody who's around him is an actor. They're an extra. And then one day, he's walking down the street, and this light poof, just falls to the ground from the sky. He's like, what is going on here? And it begins to awaken to this idea that, hey, wait a second. Maybe everything that I, maybe everything isn't what I thought it was, right? And there, so the the creator of this TV show says something that I, I come back to a lot. Uh, it's a character named Kristoff. And they're asking him, how come Truman, because the show's been going on, Truman's in his 30s, the show's been going on his whole life. And so they ask him, how come you think he's never just really questioned? Like, why, you know, why is this the way it is? How come he's never want, wanted to leave to go? How come he's never really found out that this is all an illusion? And Kristoff says... We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. We accept the reality of the world with which we are presented. It is as simple as that. And so that brings us to the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus. It's more than a Sunday sermon, right? This, this, this Sermon on the Mount is more than just some rules for living. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and in the Beatitudes, he's actually presenting a new reality. He's presenting something that is very different than the Jews of his day had been used to and different than what they expected, right? So let's start 
in Matthew 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, and I'm going to say blessed, not blessed. Just prepare for that. Okay. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So it's important to remember here who Jesus is speaking to. So he's talking to a, a crowd that's gathered on the hillside. These are not, you know, like rich folks. These are not like the well-to-do. These are people who are gathered from, from around town. They came from around Galilee. And it's probably a lot of people that are just, you know, just ordinary folks. They just came out to hear Jesus. They came out to hear these, these teachings. They've heard about him, and now they're gathered in. And they're people who are coming with you know, all the same problems that we would be coming with, right? They feel, they feel maybe a little bit outcast, a little bit insignificant. Some of them are feeling overlooked and undervalued. Uh, some of them are feeling maybe like they're a little bit worn out. They've been wandering around looking for some truth. Uh, they, they're, they're coming with problems. And Jesus starts with the word blessed. He starts with blessed. Uh, now, blessed in the Beatitudes, uh, the reason we call it the Beatitudes is because it comes from the Latin word beatus, which means blessed. Blessed can also be translated as like fortunate or lucky, happy, favored. And favored is an interesting word because he's speaking to Jews. Speaking to Jews. And this goes, we, in the last couple of messages, we've talked about things that predate the law, right? The Jews being God's chosen people is one of those things. So he's talking to people who have known for their whole lives, we are the chosen of God. We're the chosen people. It didn't come by law. It came by grace given to God through Abraham, given from God to Abraham. And then it came to us. The faith of Abraham moved us into this position as God's chosen people. But then in their history as well, they've got they were enslaved in Egypt, right? They were, they were rescued by God through Moses. And then to Moses, he gave them the law, right? So they were chosen before the law came. So the law is not, we, we, we sort of conflate some things sometimes when we're talking about Old Testament, New Testament. They were chosen before the law came. The law isn't the mark of their chosenness. The law is giving them giving them a description of how they're supposed to live as the chosen people, right? So they were chosen before the law came. But they've been living in the law for a long time now. So the law, even though it's a, marked, it's a mark that they are the chosen people of God, it's also a constant reminder that they keep messing up and they keep falling short. 
And they've, that heaviness is on the people as they've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come. So they're chosen, but also they've kind of messed up and there's guilt associated with that and there's heaviness associated with that. And so Jesus comes and delivers this sermon and that's the backdrop. That's the backdrop. So as Jesus is giving this teaching, and it is a really beautiful teaching, right? But it's what it's not, and we're going to get into this in just a second. What it's not is a list of rules for living. It's not a list of how to get ahead in this world, right? It's, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Um, when he announces the blessings, he's not saying, like, try hard to live like this. Because, I mean, honestly, who wants to try hard to be persecuted or try hard to mourn? Who wants to train? He's not saying, oh, you should live like this. You should, be me- you should be meek. You should seek all of these things. Who, you know, who wants to be somebody who's living that way? Nobody really in the natural wants to seek out these bad things, right? These things that are not fun for us. He's also not saying that the blessings are like timeless truths of our natural world because, well, they're not. Like he says, blessed, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Well, that's not really a timeless truth in our lives because we know when we've seen a lot of meek people who didn't inherit the earth, right? We see a lot of mourners who haven't been comforted in the natural. We've seen a lot of people who haven't overcome in the natural world. So he's not saying these are timeless truths. Blessed are you when you're like this in, you know, in, in this world, in, in, in all situations. What he's pointing to, anybody ever seen or read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Okay, a little C.S. Lewis, good for you, good for the soul. Um, side note, did you know that he and John F. Kennedy died on the same day? That's sad, sorry. Um, yeah, no, seriously. John, C.S. Lewis, Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World, and John F. Kennedy all died on the same day in 1963. So there you go, you, that's fun lunch conversation. Anyway, so what Jesus is doing here in the Sermon on the Mount isn't saying, here's, here's some rules for living. What he's doing is he's presenting a different reality. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, like the white, the, the white queen, she knows that Aslan can be sacrificed on the stone table. What she doesn't know is what Aslan calls the deeper magic. She knows he can be sacrificed, and she thinks that's the end of the problem. What she doesn't know is that he'll be resurrected. And he'll come back as a conqueror. There's a deeper magic at work. There's something else that she in the natural experience is not aware of. And that's what Jesus is trying to present here in the Sermon on the Mount. He's presenting them, Christoph in, in, that, in that movie, Truman Show, says we accept the reality with which we're presented. And Jesus is trying to present us with a new reality to accept. It's an announcement. The people gathered there are like us. They're needy. They're a little bit lost. They're kind of confused sometimes. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to announce to those people who are needy, something new is here now. There's, there's, there's some new rules that we can play by. There's some new expectations. There's a higher law that we can, that we can ascribe to, right? And in that sense, this is gospel. It's good news. 
It's not advice for successful living in this world. It's good news about a new reality. Jesus is beginning a new era for God's people and for God's world. The, the controls that people thought they knew about are going to be all turned on their head. And that's what he's trying to get across here. All right? So what we're seeing here in the book of Matthew is a little bit like something that we saw in Deuteronomy. Uh, so in Deuteronomy, um, the people come through the wilderness, they arrive in the promised land, and then God gives them a covenant, which is, you know, a listing of kind of the rules to follow and the things to do and the blessings and curses that come with being obedient and disobedient. What we see in the book of Matthew is very similar. In chapter two, we see Jesus coming out of Egypt. In chapters three and four, we see him coming through the water of baptism and into the wilderness. And then in chapter four, we see him coming across the Jordan River and into Galilee, which is the land of promise. And that's where he gives his new covenant. So we're seeing the things in Matthew are mirroring the things that God was doing in Deuteronomy. And what, what's pretty cool about this is that we can see in the genealogy, even in the start of the book of Matthew, we see in the genealogy here, this, the, the, there's three sets of 14 names, right? The ancestors of Jesus. But it's not the likely ancestors that you would think would be named when you're leading up to, and then the Messiah was born. What you see is things that aren't typically in a genealogy, right? And this is scandalous, but there's women mentioned. I know, you can gasp collectively, that's fine. <laughs> Mentioning women in the genealogy, this is very different. This is like, what, what, no, what are, they, what are they doing? What are their names doing in here? Because they're important. Because they're important because they have a vital part to play in the Messiah being brought to us. We have Rahab, we have Tamar, we have Mary, right? And not only do we have women, but we have people who are engaging in scandalous relationships. We have people who are operating in scandalous professions. We have prostitutes mentioned in this genealogy. We have strange workings of the Holy Spirit. We have, we have Mary in here. If the Holy Spirit ever worked through anybody, worked through Mary, right? Very tangibly, very visibly. There's strange stuff going on in here. And what Matthew seems to be saying, even in the genealogy, is that if God can work in these bizarre ways, in these ways that you don't expect and that some of you don't accept, if God can move in those ways to bring about the Messiah, what do you think he's about to do now? What do you think he's capable of doing from this point forward? Jesus is the fulfillment, and, and, when, and when he's speaking here, he's the fulfillment of 2,000 years of God's promises and purposes, but he's also very, very new and very different. He's doing a different thing, and this is kind of the way we need to look at this list of people, this genealogy, and the list of people who are blessed in the Beatitudes. It's the announcement of something that God's been working up to for a lot of years. And it's in effect now, even though it doesn't really fit the reality that we've accepted. And the question that they were probably asking is, okay, blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. You know, blessed are the peacemakers, they'll see God. When? When? I'm open, tell me when. 
And that's what we're asking sometimes, right? When you feel like you've had to be the meek one, when you feel like you've tried to be a peacemaker and you don't see God right in that moment, you know, when, 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 when you're suffering, you're not seeing the purpose in it. You're not seeing the victory that comes after, right? And we ask that sometimes. Now in verses three and 10 and 11, there's a little indication there that there's, there's, a, there's a heaven that awaits us after death and that's when we'll see this victory. But then if you look in verse five specifically, it says the meek will inherit the earth. How do you, how do, you do that after you're dead? If we have to wait until heaven to inherit this, well, how do I inherit the earth if I'm not in the earth, if I'm in heaven? So it's just some interesting stuff that he's got going on here. He's, he's cluing us in to something I think that a lot of us are already just are very comfortable with, that heaven isn't a separate geographical place. Heaven is here. Heaven is a different dimension in every geographical place. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell them. We're taught to, you know, to pray that, pray that God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Heaven is, is God's space where full reality exists. And it's very close by our earthly experience. We see this in the, in the next chapter in Matthew, where Jesus leads us through the Lord's prayer, right? God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're asking there is that the life of heaven, the realm where God has all authority, comes and makes itself known in our world where, you know, we may or may not have given that authority over to him yet, right? The life of the realm where God is already king is supposed to become the life of the world, transforming this earth into the place of beauty that God always intended. You hear it said in, in Christian circles a lot, let, let, let heaven invade earth. Let heaven be seen here. That's what we're doing when we're praying and we're recognizing that there's a supernatural. We're praying for a country half a world away. What we're asking is for heaven to break through, for God's reality to break through there because the reality that people have created is bad. The reality that we've created is messed up. So God, your way is higher. Your way is better. So we're asking for you because you're close. You're near us. We're asking for you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it, Paul. Paul Baker, everybody. Woo! Um, and I can't open it. I have big head and tiny little arms. <laughs> Me, the Robinsons, Tyrannosaurus Rex reference. Y'all get that. Um, I do have a, a really big head, though, and small arms. That's a real deal. So what we're asking and what Jesus is cluing us into here is that heaven is not someplace to wait for later after we die. It's not a suffer through this and do the best you can. And then if you've been meek, then you get to have fun and be in glory and see God move. It is seek him, seek him, ask for him to move and we'll see heaven showing up in this realm. That's what Jesus is talking about. The Beatitudes are an encouragement to live in the present in a way that's going to make sense in God's promised future because, get this, 
that future is in our present, in the person of Jesus. That future is here, right now. It's been said that the purpose of the gospel isn't to get us into heaven. It's to get heaven into us. It's to get heaven into us so that we can then release what's in us into the world around us. So most religious experts, as you know, among the Jewish people at that time, did, did not embrace Jesus. I don't know if that's, that was made obvious or not. He, he didn't fit the narrative. He didn't fit the culture. He didn't say the things that they expected to say. He didn't say the things that traditionally they had accepted as absolute truth, absolute reality. Jesus came to say, okay, wait. Here's a new dimension of that reality that maybe you hadn't been open to. And they said, no. The religious leaders of his day said, no. I'm sorry, we can't accept that because it doesn't fit in with all the stuff we've been telling everybody is the truth. It doesn't fit in with the culture that we've created, so we don't want you to be a part of it. So we need to be very careful. And today's message is really short. And somebody said, hallelujah. So we need to be really careful and conscious, and, and, and as we're getting into, in the coming weeks, speaking more, uh, more about the Beatitudes, we need to be really careful and really conscious in our Christian lives not to be a part of that spirit that was in the religious leaders of Jesus' day, right? They were so concerned that the things that he was speaking didn't fit into the culture and they chose the culture over the king. They chose their reality over the reality Jesus was trying to open them up to. We need to be really careful that we don't embrace and love our culture so much that we accept that over his kingdom. We have to be open to the possibility that maybe Jesus actually meant all the stuff that he said. That he meant heaven can come to earth. That, that he meant that, uh, that as we stop enthroning a world and we start enthroning him, that there's a different set of rules and a different reality that we place ourselves under. We've got to be careful that we don't settle for a Christianity that has a wrong view of what it means to be blessed. When we, when we say blessed, like... So many times we, we, we think about possessions, think about material possessions. We think about successful people, people who are making a lot of money, people who have a lot of status, people who are, are, are really just moving and shaking and are the envy of other people. That's not what it means to be blessed. I say this a lot, First Samuel 16, 7. The Lord told Samuel, when you're looking for a king, when you're looking for someone who I can use to rule and reign, don't look at the outward appearance. That's what man looks at. Look at the heart. Look at the heart. So we need to be careful that we don't settle for a version of Christianity that misinterprets what it means to be blessed. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think God has a problem with us being blessed in this natural world. He wants us to be blessed. But he wants us to also understand that that's blessings in the natural world. There's a different standard for being blessed in the kingdom. 
He wants us to operate in both. He wants us to operate in both. How how do we become blessed in the kingdom? It's a matter of the heart. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. We become the peacemakers. We become the meek. We understand that if there is persecution, it's, because, it's not because they're persecuting us. It's because they're persecuting him. And we just maintain the love and the grace and the mercy that he fills us with for people even when they're coming against us. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And lastly, we need to be, we need to be careful that we follow the words and the ways of Jesus and not all of the stuff that we've added to it over the years. Not all of the things that we've added to it. We've, we, we, put a lot, we put a lot of accessories on the gospel. You know, and there are things that can take our focus off of, well, what did the Lord actually say? What did he actually say? And more importantly even than his words are, what are his ways? That what, what would Jesus do bracelet is pretty powerful. If you remember that that's about the heart, that's about following in the ways of Jesus. We've added, we, we accessorize the gospel a lot. And I mean, it looks cool and it looks good and it all matches and it fits and coordinates with our outfits and stuff. But we can make a habit of following the accessories and leaving behind the harder stuff, which is following the ways of Jesus. So the Beatitudes can seem kind of upside down, right? They're, they're a presentation of a new reality that we can live in. And it's a reality that is available not only for, and this, is the, this, this was the real big eye-opener for the Jews of Jesus' day. It's a reality that we can all be chosen, It's available for everyone. The kingdom of heaven is available for everyone who will call upon the name of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven and the blessings that come from heaven, the blessings promised in the Beatitudes here are available for everyone who will put aside the culture, put aside the religious teachings for a little bit and just focus on the heart of Jesus and say, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. I want what you have because your words are life. Where else would I go? Your words are spirit and their life. And you all follow. To those, as to those, those are the chosen ones. Those are the ones that Jesus said, those, those are the sons and the daughters of God. Those are the ones that inherit the kingdom. The ones who see what I do, and they hear my words, and they follow my ways. So we have to, as we're moving in through this series, and in just a moment, I'm going uh, to lead us in prayer together. We know that the world that we're in, this hand is representing the world that we're in. The world that we're in operates by physical laws and social constructs. That creates all of our systems that creates all of our boundaries, all of our borders. That's the reason for all of our conflicts. Um, it's because we operate by physical laws and social constructs. And that's a reality that we have to live in. But what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, and what C.S. Lewis was saying, like in, in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is there's a deeper magic. There's a higher reality. 
there's the kingdom of God. And that operates by a higher way. That operates by a different set of rules. And all of creation fits inside of it. And so even in our natural world here, we got to keep our hearts tuned in and open to, well, Jesus, what is your way? Let the kingdom of heaven come here. Let the kingdom of heaven break through into our natural world. And what we see then is we see God's rules, the kingdom of heaven's ways, affecting real change on our world here. And that's what we were praying for earlier with Ukraine. We're asking for God to break through. That's what we were praying for when we had our hands on on each other's shoulders and we're praying for the person next to us. We know the natural rules that have brought us to certain situations. What we're asking for is we're calling upon something higher. We're saying, because Jesus presented us with this new reality. And once you've been presented with this new reality, you can't go back. You can't go back because going back feels like a prison. That's what Truman experienced in the Truman Show. That's what Neo experienced in the Matrix, right? Once I've been opened up to a new reality, I can't go back. I've been, things have been expanded for me. And so as we're praying for the person next to us or for the country across the world, we're asking and we're operating according to what Jesus was telling us in the Beatitudes here. There's, it's our responsibility and he gives us the authority and the way to invite heaven to come to earth and to live by those rules here and now. So I want to I just say that this, the kingdom of heaven is for everyone. The kingdom of heaven is for everyone. And it's probably a good idea for us every now and then to just spend a moment asking God, hey, how, how messed up is my perception of reality? Open up my eyes to your reality. Open up my eyes to see really what's going on, the truth and not just the facts. Open me up. We should probably ask him for grace to be able to see the kingdom of God the way he sees it, not the way we think it might be. We should probably ask for the gift of repentance to be able to say, God, I'm sorry for not seeing what you want me to see. Teach me, train me, make my heart something that you can use and open up my eyes. So as Jesus is delivering this Sermon on the Mount, he's delivering it to people who feel like unlikely candidates to receive the kingdom of God. Unlikely people to, to, to walk in this new reality. Right? And some of us might be feeling that way this morning. Some of us might be feeling like, yeah, I want to walk in God's kingdom. I want to walk more fully in his reality and not just get stuck in my own reality, but I don't quite know how. So what I'm going to do, I want to invite Adrian and, and uh, Corey and Wes to come up here. We're going to close in a song in just a moment, but let's all stand up together and we're just going to pray together.